The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Boom! Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POV cast. Prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. You know how to get us. Pride of Detroit on Twitter. I said that already. Pride of Detroit. Twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Can I say Pride of Detroit a few more times? No. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host, at Chris Perfett on Twitter. And we are coming to you live from on Twitch after an amazing weekend of drafting by the Detroit Lions. We're going to break down everything. It's been a whole weekend. I did about 10 hours between two days on Twitch. Uh, but I haven't seen these guys in a little bit, so we're going to get the whole band back together for this. Jeremy Reisman, fearless leader at Detroit on Lion, Mr. Real Journalism himself. Hello, Jeremy. Hello, Chris. Uh, I am so, one, relieved that the draft is just over. Two, overjoyed, because this is actually my favorite part of the offseason is after where we get to kind of diagnose and analyze all of the new presents that we have underneath the tree. So I, I um, like it. I like events. I don't like having to sit here for months oh, waiting no. for something to happen. This is great. This is this is the fun part. And I've spent all my Monday diving into film, so I'm ready to, to talk. You've watched how many hours of tape? How many Jaws hours of tape? <laughs> Jaws, I've watched over 15 hours of tape. Just 500 hours of tape. You got to juice those numbers, Jeremy. You got to pump <laughs> those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. 15 hours. Where are you talking about? Just on a Monday been, alone. Even just on Monday alone. I've been yeah. watching all this tape. You know, this guy here, James Mitchell. I like him a lot. He's got a lot of good quick step. He can play outside the box. I slipped in Mel Kuyper there. Ryan Matthews. At Ryan underscore POD, the most requested man from the weekend. The most requested man who is A-W-O-L. How's it going, Ryan? I took a a bit of advice from Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne, and I was just a recluse all weekend. I hid in the shadows. I thought I thought you were gonna say you took advice from actually I don't remember who who's the football player was like keep your keep your emotions off the internet and it was like super ironic because they're always emotional on the internet. No, but that you talking about out. Kevin Durant? No, I think it was might have been Antonio Brown or something. I, oh, I was I was going to sense. say I was gonna say maybe the other thing was uh was uh oh god, who was the uh, who's the coach at Arizona State now? 
Um, Football? Herm, Ed- Herm Edwards. Herm right? Edwards, don't yeah. press send. <laughs> Thought Ryan was doing a lot of don't press send. The, trust me, there were there were plenty of times that my fingers got to moving, and I just decided, like, don't send that. Don't press send. Don't, <laughs> don't press send. send. Yeah. Uh, why was that? Why, why could that have possibly been? Hmm. Let's press send on this podcast. That's right. Uh, <laughs> let's start at the top. Let's start at the top. Uh, let's recap the entire class here. I've got some burning questions. Maybe we'll get to them this podcast, maybe next question, uh, podcast as far as overall, but we're going every pick here for the Detroit Lions. we got to start at the top. Jeremy, this draft started in a way I think we had gotten, we got the smell that it was coming. I didn't think it was going to be real, though. And that is the Jaguars jagged where they should have zigged instead. And they chose out of Georgia, Trevon Walker, Trayvon Walker, which leaves the Lions to rush in the card for Aiden Hutchinson so fast that the NFL got mad at them for going too fast. It's like, we, we got to pump in five more Marriott commercials here, guys. <laughs> that, so that's, the Lions took Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, and that, that's actually exactly what happened last year, too. They, I, I don't know if they got in trouble this year. They got in trouble last year with Panay Sewell, but this year with the they showed the green room video of Aiden Hutchinson getting the call from the Lions, and in the background you can hear Trevon Walker's <laughs> name being announced as the pick first overall by Roger Goodell. So yeah, they, they did rush the card up again, uh, which is, which is an interesting debate that we can, we can have here because obviously, you know, we started draft season with the debate between uh, Aiden Hutchinson and, and Kayvon Thibodeau. And eventually we came back to it, even though it looked like Aiden Hutchinson was gone. So and it didn't um, even seem like a full, it didn't even seem like much of a debate to even think about for the lions. They knew right away. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson was available. They took Aiden Hutchinson. And it's, it's not all that surprising, right? Um, some could argue, and, and many do, uh, that, that Kayvon has, has a bigger upside. He's maybe more of a pure pass rusher, um, probably has more work to do on the running side. But that I think that's exactly it. Like the Lions saw a more well-rounded player, a more, you know, they, they talked about how they needed a day one starter, a guy who can just come right out of the box and and destroy quarterbacks. And, and that's who... Aiden Hutchinson is, and and obviously the we've already talked exclusively and extensively, I should say, about the the culture fit. There there is no question. I don't think the fact that the Lions did not draft Kayvon Thibodeau is akin to them saying we don't think he's a culture fit. That's one thing I think we need to like hammer home here. I don't think that's proof of that necessarily because Aiden Hutchinson, on his own merit, deserves to be the the, the pick here, and most people had him as the first overall prospect. So. Uh, it, it, it's an interest. It's interesting that everything came full circle, but um, I don't think any of that should come. I, I don't think the fact that they took Hutchinson over Tibdo should really come as much as a, as a surprise. You, you can argue Trayvon was a surprise, but by the end of uh, last week, it really didn't seem like it was much of a surprise. And, and I remember the audio. I think it was maybe like the day of the draft, Jeremy, uh, day one. If I'm not mistaken, it was on Thursday. There were like some Instagram stories of uh, like Aiden Hutchinson and uh, and Kayvon Thibodeau, and I think even Malik Willis, like talking about like the time that they spent with the Lions. Mm-hmm. And it was specifically like Kayvon Thibodeau was like, yeah, it was like being with my uncle at like a cookout or something. Right. Apparently it's the uncle that you only see once a year um, because <laughs> he will not be seeing Brad Holmes anytime soon. But I, I, I'll admit, I was a little bit surprised that that there was such conviction with the pick in terms of there's, I mean, they, they made the pick, like you said, Jeremy, like before Goodell had, <laughs> had even announced Trayvon Walker's name, 
to, to everybody else. So I, I think it was just surprising from that standpoint. I don't think it was surprising from the standpoint a very loud minority of people saying that, oh, you got to, you know, spend all the clock. There might be a trade offer that comes. Come on, man. Like, for, for number two, no. For number no. two, absolutely well, not. Not in I this think, draft. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like Brad Holmes had already talked about that. And, you know, they, they were open for business a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, they, me, they, they didn't yeah. care. They didn't care who came off the board at number one. I don't think. I think that they had a plan regardless of whether or not it was. Trayvon Walker or it was Aiden Hutchinson. I think that they would have rushed the pickup regardless of who yeah. would have went number one. Right. Plus, it ignores the the anatomy of a trade on draft day. Like they they already know if there's a market for that or not. Right. And whether they're they're interested in joining it. Like we'll we'll get to the the trade up that they that they made, but that was made weeks in advance essentially, and they were just like we have to just wait and see if the board falls our way. So by running up to the podium, I think it's they realize whatever trade market there was for that pick, if there was any was not something they were interested in pursuing. It's not yeah. that they, they didn't wait long enough for something to develop. It had to have already developed for them to take a shot. And I think, and I think just from everything we know about Hutchinson right now, like what a fit he really is in Detroit. It was really no question at the end of it too. I, we talked with Brett Whitefield on the draft night. He said he was the number one player on the board. Um, you know, Trevon, Trayvon Walker might have a lot of upside. He might become a fantastic player for the Jaguars. But right now, are you talking about a contributor right now? I, I don't want to use the word pro ready. I think there are some deficiencies to Hutchinson's game, but like for what the Lions are running right now on defense and what they want to run on defense, everything about Hutchinson fits, be it the three tech, be it just how he rushes the pass rusher, how he stops the run, that he's this player that just fits what the Lions want right now and down the line. And it's, I mean, we can talk, I, I, I don't think it's just personality. I know a lot of people are going to make it out to be about personality, especially with a, a guy as prolific as Brad Holm. I mean, the, as Dan Campbell, as the coach, but, and I know Hutchinson went on like a pro football focus podcast, like immediately after his pick and PFS been very aggressive about it to us. Um, but like, schematically too just everything just works man everything kind of like works really well with what the lions want and the, what i thought is interesting is is brad holmes the night he drafted him addressed you know i guess this could be considered the main concern with aiden hutchinson and it's his arm length um that the t-rex arms as people like to joke about is mostly spartan fans like to joke about um <laughs> but it doesn't matter if you're just tackling the guy well, it, it's it's not that it's it, it's it's just like he the way he put it is he plays with violence like he yeah. makes it so that he's just so explosive so speed to power that you know it, it doesn't like you don't he doesn't get locked up because he just explodes through the guy and he, he does have good hands too like and, and this is something we'll talk about with a, another edge rusher who has even better hands but um, he's able to disengage every now and then too due to his motor due to his hands and and due to just an explosive athletic profile and that that's another thing that i think gets lost is people don't call him an athlete they say he doesn't quite have the bend of of, of a true edge rusher um which might be, it's it's not an elite bend to him but he has some to it and he's got a ton of athleticism so i think that's a misnomer i think i think the other thing too is some teams do like go very i mean the whole reason walker goes above hutchinson in this draft is because trent and bulky the gm and the for the jaguars values the measurables and the combine numbers and everything more than 
other people. Like some teams will value those measurables and some teams value the college tape. This is something I talked with Kent about. Kent was talking about there's certain fan bases that like his RAS score. Um, and some of them just don't just because it's a matter of what certain teams are, are looking for and they're scouting. Sure. So it's, it's different philosophies. So I don't, I don't think the Lions ever cared about quote unquote T-Rex arms. Um, moving on to the second pick in the first round, I'm going to go to Ryan because I know Jeremy will fly off the handle um, and I'm going to make him stew and sit on this. Uh, but Ryan, the Lions traded up. And we can talk. Let's talk about the trade value a little bit, and I'll let Jeremy get his piece here. Well, can, can once we you're just, done, I want to. I want to hear what Ryan's experience was in the four minutes between the Lions trading up and making their pick. And See, I wasn't was going even going to make this. I wasn't even going to make this about Malik Willis. I it really wasn't. I, but we we've all. I feel like the live audience, the podcast audience, they've all been dying to know because Ryan's been relatively quiet about this, and we we got to right. know. All right. First all of right, all, let me, are you let me, doing okay? I, uh, let <laughs> me set the scene. Let me set the scene. So the Lions suddenly jump back on the clock. They trade up to 12. They trade 32, 34, and pick 66 to the Minnesota Vikings for 12 and 46. Lions are back on the clock, Ryan. What's going through your mind? Well, I, I think that there's some important things to, to cover here. First of all, for all the people who were reaching out to me in the aftermath of this, I appreciate it. And I very expertly took the high road on all of you. So um, I, I hope that Most. you all recognize that. Um, but anyways, uh, for for when the Lions traded up, the reason why I started immediately um, entering the, the brink of blacking out is because I thought it was actually happening. Like, And I think that that was a thought that was crossing a lot of people's minds because I don't think you trade up from 32 to 12 to take many positions right. outside of something like a quarterback. Right. So yes. thinking about all the quarterbacks are still on the board, there's been a little mini run on wide receivers at that point. Like Drake London had gone. Garrett London, Wilson both Ohio gone. state players. Yep. Yep. A lot. The, the Saints just moved up to get a lave at 11. So I'm thinking, well, I mean, it, it has to be a quarterback. Right. And my biggest concern was that it was going to be Kenny Pickett. And <laughs> if like, so for, for as much like uh, just sheer unbridled excitement that was like festering inside me after I saw, because like the way I knew that the lions were moving up was because I got a notification from Tom Pelissero that said like the lions have moved up and like, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like I, like very heavy breathing. Like I was like, there, there's, there's, there's no, like, but that's my mindset, right? Is like, there's no way that they're not trading up for something that isn't a quarterback. But let me tell you this, this was by far and away the best move that Brad Holmes made during the draft. And it was his best pick too. I am 100% on board. Oh. And, but Jeremy, we talked about this in, in the Spotify green room, uh, Spotify locker room, uh, Spotify live <laughs> asked, right. Is, you know, I asked Eric, um, you know, it probably like the, the month leading up to the season, right. I was like, is there any chance that the lions package up 32 and 34 and move up to get a receiver? And specifically I mentioned Jameson Williams because he fits on their timeline, right? Yeah. If, if Jameson Williams doesn't suffer that ACL injury in the national championship game, I think he is a top five pick. 
he's probably the top pick. He's probably the top wide receiver. Um, real quick, I think Rich Hill model, just to give some background to it, Rich Hill model, um, we, we had some debate between Jeremy and Hamza on which model was actually being used. Lions gave up 435 points of value and gained 475 points of value, 40 points of value by making the trade with the Vikings. According to the chart, the Lions gained the equivalent of a late third rounder by doing this pick. And they move up and take, again, what Ryan said was probably like, I, I don't know. I, I think a lot, I think the Ohio State guy said that, and Jameson himself has said this, that if he ran at the combine, he would have run the fastest 40 time. But, you know, he could ever, ever. <laughs> ever. No, yeah, he's like ever, ever. So, so, so the question, the question that I want to ask Jeremy is, first of all, set the prospect aside. Were you or were you not a fan of Brad Holmes making this trade? Not, not in the initial standpoint, but stepping back and looking at it and saying like, okay, this was the value of the picks that they sent away. And this was the value of the picks that they received. In terms of the value of the trade-up, I think you can't deny it was, it was a good deal. Um, we, we've seen a lot of teams make aggressive trades up in, in the first round and have to overpay sometimes to the point of, of multiple first round. There's a lot of trading up happening this year. And, and I think the best way, I think the, the most easy on the mind way that, that this frame is this trade has been framed is you move up 20 spots in the first round, you move up 20 spots in the second round and you give away 34. Um, in, in reality, the move up essentially costs somewhere between pick 34 and pick uh, 66. Somewhere in that range is what the Lions gave up to move up. And uh, I don't know, like I, that value is fine. That value makes sense. I think it's good value. And, and the fact that you were able to get good value from a, um, a divisional opponent is good. I have no problem trading with a divisional opponent. I want to put that out there. I think, I think that's either to the Vikings who um, obviously not. traded with green Bay. Um, but I do think this is a huge risk. I, I think, I think we can't put aside how big of a risk it is to give away a, a high second round pick to move up in this draft for listen, I, I love the player. I love the conviction from the lions. I love the idea that the lions may have gotten the best wide receiver in this class. I think wide receiver is, is a position that you're, you should be, you know, it's premier enough where trading up in, in, in the first round makes some sense, but Jamison Williams has one year of production. He's coming off a torn ACL and moving up in the draft is just a, even throwing those things aside. It's a risk. If you, I, the fact that the, th the thing that Brad Holmes keeps saying, and, and we should have like, this was telegraphed. This whole move was telegraphed. They said all off season, they wanted to upgrade the wide receiver position. Brad Holmes told us a week before he made the trade that if there's a guy they have enough conviction on, we're going to go up and get him. That's a, I, he. And, and by that time, the trade was already in place. Like he was talking about this to us, which is a whole nother interesting thing, but conviction is, is, is what will kill you. I think in the NFL draft in the end, because a lot of, a lot of general managers have conviction on players and a lot of times that player doesn't work out. And so it, it's a risk. I love the player. I love the value and all of that helps smooth this thing over, but I'm not going to change. I'm not going to suddenly, Ooh, the line's got a new shiny, shiny package. I guess I'm, I'm a fan of trading up now. Like, no, it, it, it's a risk. Listen, I, Conviction will also save your ass sometimes in the NFL. Like convictions, why Bill Belichick's been able to keep building what the, whatever the hell he keeps building. They trade down. I was, they I, trade I, down. They also put. They also picked Cole. They they also picked Cole Strange. 
That, okay, yeah, actually, that's yes. actually a good. That's no, that's that's, that's my point. Like when that's you believe point. in a guy, you go and get that damn guy. Um, my point though is this goes back to what we were just talking about with you know Hutchinson arm size and everything. I think the Lions like because Brad Holmes is a college scouting guy, he likes the college tape and he doesn't care about the measurables because because Jamison Williams didn't have the measurables. He had the tape. He had the tape from college. He knew that he was going to go through this. You know, he had the problem with the ACL, so he wasn't going to have a lot of the the time, the the, the measurables. But I bring that up because I'm looking instead of what happened with the two other picks, which I think soured some Lions fans because who did the Vikings and then the Vikings trade 34 to the Packers? So who did the who did 32 and 34 go to? Two guys we've been talking up all off all off season. Two Lions fans, Lewis Seen and Christian Watson. Right. And Christian Watson goes to the Packers, who again Ken has told me is one of those teams that just has a model very much like his own RAS. They like the measurables. They they didn't care about the tape as much. They cared about the measurables. So this is kind of a philosophy difference right now, but behind between the new Lions and some of these other teams. And yeah, I, I think some fans are going to get caught up in what was lost. I look, I don't think the, the, the Vikings, even Vikings fans would say the Vikings didn't make a very good trade here, but you can't also then expect two teams to then take that trade and then make bad picks with those trades as well. It would be funny, but it's most likely not going to happen. You were going to lose out on Lewis scene and you were going to lose out on Christian Watson. That was the gamble. The lions took to get Jamison Williams. The other gamble they're running is when he's going to be back ready and healthy with his ACL. He says he wants to be ready by, uh, by training camp. He said, he, says I, he I, should, should, should. Is the word he used. listen, Which, here's the thing. The, the lions don't need to rush him back. They don't, they, they don't, they have no reason to rush him. They can just really tell him to be patient, make his time. Science and medicine has gone a long way. Guys are coming back faster and faster from injuries. We used to think used to cripple careers, be it Achilles with Cam Akers, who came back a little too early. Tommy John, it was like, it was a killer for pitchers for a very long time in baseball. Guys, everyone gets Tommy John these days. Everyone gets Tommy John. ACL is probably going to be the same way. I, I We'll see. We'll see what he is on a reconstructed ACL. I, I, I don't know what that is, but it was enough for the Lions to make this selection and to do it with burning quite a few picks and uh, to do it. But I, I mean, look, like, Rather than signing, I think the other thing too is the Lions are pretty close above where they're expected to sign given on cap too. I don't know. I don't know if either of you guys know like what no. that would be like if, yeah. if we don't know cap room yet. That, well, I, I was just saying, like, I'm not sure. Fine. I'm not sure the difference between like, uh, you know, signing a wide receiver at 12 versus paying both 32 and 34 together. Right. It's, it's significantly more, but I, I want to, I want to pass the book to Ryan here because. We, we haven't really talked about Jameson Williams as a player, and you're obviously a huge fan. So, so tell me tell me what you love about Jameson, what, what what you're excited about him being in Detroit and what that will do. I also love his nickname. J-Mo is awesome. J-Mo's, J-Mo <laughs> I was going to go. I, I really wanted to be Whiskey, but clearly he's gone with J-Mo. Yeah. Here's the thing I love about Jameson Williams, right, is that he is a bonafide, take-the-top-off-the-defense kind of guy. Yeah. And He's a big play guy. And, and, and this is the thing, right, is that – First of all, like 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 Chris alluded to, the Lions can be really patient with him because they have enough pieces right now. 
And also, hey, would it hurt to see a, you know, even more of DJ Shark, who's on a one-year deal? Like, would it, would it really hurt um, to to see more of of what the you know Lions' depth at wide receiver uh, can can bring about before you bring that guy into the fold? But like, right. I mean, here's the thing, right? Is that, like I said, JMO is a guy who can take the top off the defense. He set the Alabama single-season record and led college football with four touchdowns of 70 plus yards. He posted an FB. Yeah. He posted an FBS best record, 11 touchdowns of 30 plus yards in 2021 as well. That's F across the FBS. And I mean, I feel like this is like the pick that Eric Schlitt should 100% be on board with because the dude played 279 special team snaps and <laughs> two, two it, kickoffs returned for touchdowns last year too. In the and, same game, by the way, in the same game. Yes. <laughs> And just an absolute violent gunner, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, Which, a guy who, like, I mean, how did that, like, that shouldn't have been overlooked. Like, that should have been something that we saw and we we're like, oh, okay, this guy is 100% for this culture. Right. And that's, that's what, Brad, that was one of the first things Brad Holmes said that night is like, I, I turned on his film and I saw him book it and destroy a guy as a gunner. And I'm like, what? Like he he talked to Dave Burkett and he said that was a, a remote dropping moment. He he literally dropped his remote in awe. And so, yeah, culture-wise, huge fit. I know people are concerned about his personality because he doesn't look happy. Quit it. With I, think, I think that's, quit. I think like, that's, I think that's a quirk sure. of TV. I think that was just, they went to get the, I think. Well, no, from what it, was, seeing, it went beyond the, the broadcast too, though. Like people, yeah. like he didn't look excited in his press conference. Yeah, because now everyone's that. doing the body language thing. You got one yeah, whiff of it. No. Now immediately everyone right. wants to do the fucking same old really? lion shit. And like everyone needs any little bit. Um, but to me, like, obviously everyone just talks about the speed, right? Like I think he said he clocked in at 23.4 miles per hour at some point during last season, which is just mind boggling <laughs> fast. Um, but it, it I, I think he's also pretty polished as a, as a route runner too. Like, I was going to say, can I like, this guy is not just fast, but he's got a really long catch radius. Like he's got, he's got like long limbed. He can just, he's, he's not like one of these big guys we are looking at. We were looking at, you know, wide receivers, all this off season that were like big and could like out muscle for the ball. He, he doesn't play that way, but he is going to go for the jump right. balls just in a very different way. And I think he's one of our favorite guys too, just because like he's a yak monster. Yep. He'll catch and go. Yep. Uh, and and the last thing I want to say is like he is definitely the kind of guy that just raises the level for everyone else, right? If you if you take the top off the defense, well, guess what? Now you can't key in on Amon Ross St. Brown. You know what? T.J. Hawkinson, a guy who for the first half of the season felt like was the only guy that Jared Goff was comfortable throwing to. I think he might benefit more than anyone else from this draft pick because suddenly the, the, the middle of that field is going to be wide open because that safety is going to be booking it to try to keep pace with, with Jameson Williams. So again, it, it, it's, it's all about making everyone else better and, and having that one guy that draws away coverage. And that that's Jameson. And, 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 and taking one other defender out of the box too. Right. So like, this isn't taking some of that secondary game, out of the box too. Right. Yeah. This, this has, this has, like, that's what I mean, though, why I'm so excited about JMO is because he's a guy who, like, can change the entire offense, right? Like, yeah. I'm not I'm not keen on the idea of trying to sell it as, you know, the Lions got their Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill has just, like, speed that, like, nobody else has, okay? But what JMO can do is he can take the top off 
that defense. And he can change the way that defenses have to scheme for, for the entire offense. And, and to, to Jeremy's point, like the, the last thing I want to say is uh, Bill O'Brien uh, had this to say about JMO. He said that I can't say enough about his competitiveness. He's a player that goes out and practices every day. Like it's a game. And like that quote alone should have like, when, when I was reading uh, Dane Brugler's the beast, his, his, you know, draft guide that, that should have just been something where I was like, okay, it, it's kind of hard to take those things in, um, in isolation. But if, if you would have compiled all of this stuff, like the writing was on the wall, like, and, and, and that's, what's most shocking to me is three wide receivers go before Jamison Williams, right? Like he is the number one wide receiver clearly on the lion's board. Yeah. Yeah. It just, again, like, other teams didn't want to take the gamble on the ACL. The Lions did. It's part of the gamble that Brad Holmes is going to have to answer for it. But you got to make the gambles at some point. You can't be like just scared and just worried about stuff not working out for you. Uh, real quick, we got two seconds here. Uh, what does it mean for the rest of the roster, Jeremy? Because I feel like Quintus Cephas might be on the outs because Raymond's locked up. Amon Ross, St. Brown, Shark, Reynolds, Jamison Williams. Someone's got to go from this lock from, from the. Uh... Yeah, it, it's tough. I, I did a 53 a man roster position this morning and, and it's up on Pride of Detroit. I did have Quintus Cephas in, but that's keeping six and they might not keep six to me. I think, I think, I think Quintus Cephas deserves an opportunity after, after how he started to play right before he separated his shoulder or broke his collarbone or whatever it was. Um, but he also wasn't drafted by this regime and he's not, kind of the speedy type that, that, that they like. Maybe. And they have Raymond and Amon Ra who can do pretty much everything right. they need from him. But you, you do need depth. He has a little bit of special teams uh, experience from 2020, but not last year. So he's probably going to have to bump that up a little bit to, to land him a, a roster spot. We'll talk more Trinity's on the roster. Done, yeah, Trinity's probably done. We'll talk more on the roster in the coming weeks. Obviously, we've got a lot of time now we're steering down the barrel of three months again of a very long off season uh, coming up next. We move into day day two and what that brings. We'll move a little brisker here as we start to talk about, have we decided is it Pascal or Pascal Pascal? I, you, you'll find out after this break. Jesus. Yeah. Leaning, leaving that on me. All right. We'll be right back in the private Detroit PAD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. 
Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Pride to Detroit PODcast. We're back here again. Moving on to day two of the NFL draft. Lions, we talked about, they, they had traded up and they also got to trade up their second round pick, 246. And that lands them linebacker out of Kentucky, Josh Pascal. So I actually, Jeremy, you have him written down here as a linebacker. I heard him mentioned as an edge. So, yeah, let, let's Is talk he about kinda, that first. Because there's a little bit of both. Um, no, he's, he's mostly going to be an edge. He's, he's going to be an outside linebacker in, in three, four looks. He's going to be, uh, but actually he might even slide in as, as an edge guy in three, four looks, honestly. So I mostly an edge don't, don't be, get too hung up on, on what, who calls him, what, um, he's going to be an edge. He might that, slide that in whole inside hybridizing. Yeah, sure. Um, he's actually, he's actually brings where I'm most excited about him is, is in the interior is, is when the lines go, they call it their NASCAR package. When it's third and long, they, they essentially throw four edge rushers out there and throw them at whatever position they want. And Pascal is going to be a guy that, that definitely slides in the interior in those, uh, <clears throat> in those formations. I guess it, where I find, so draft night, I think a lot of us are pretty surprised. They go with another edge. Um, there were some other players on the board. Um, some that would end up lasting a lot longer, like Nicobe Dean, some that wouldn't like Jaquan Brisker, who, who a lot of people thought maybe would have been a better play in terms of value where like he was expected to go maybe a little bit early for him, but I heard uh, Dane Brugler on his live show basically say like, there were a lot of teams interested in, he wasn't going to slide past the second. So I'm not concerned about the value there. Um, I, I, the other concern is, is the doubling up of the edge, right? Like you, you just got Aiden Hutchinson. You, you just re-signed Charles Harris. You have Romeo Quara year two of a new deal. Uh, you have a guy like Julian Aquara who, who's kind of coming along. And so why do you double up on edge? And I think my answer is like, well, who's here for the future? Romeo Aquara is coming off an Achilles. He's only got two years left. They can technically get out of that deal after a year. And he's really only got one great pass rushing season under him. Julian Aquara, are, are we sure he's ever going to develop into anything long-term? Charles Harris, one year of proven success. So I, I actually have no issue doubling up. And at the time, I was a little bit low on the pick, but diving into the film, man, he's a really interesting dude. And obviously, we can get into the, the, the pers- personal side of, of the, the fit in terms of culture, which is 100%. But to me... He like I think he is going to very much be the next Trey Flowers on this team, and I'm. But what I mean by that is he is going to set the edge. He was one of the best run defenders in the league on the edge last year, and so good with his hands. Again, people talk about his arm length a little bit, but he's so active and violent with his hands that no lineman can stick on him, and he isn't going to run around the edge. He's not, he's not that kind of player where he, he's got a lot of bend or anything like that, but he'll set the edge. And then his first step inside his inside moves are lethal, man. And that's why he's going to slip in inside. And, and that's something Red Holmes said too, is he's, he's just going to be a menace on third and longs coming from like a three tech position. And, and he might play a little three tech in base too. I'm, I'm not sure because blinds didn't do much to add to their defensive tackle room 
he, he might get a little bit of play there. He definitely fits. I feel like when you see the Lions double dip on edge, it feels like this is kind of them setting their identity, right? Like, cause, cause him and Hutchinson, I, I think bring very different things to the table, yes. but at the same time, like they, they've got, they've got their trenches figured out now on both sides of the ball. Maybe eventually there's a guard taken, but on both sides of the ball. Now you double dip on defensive tackles last year. Now you d- double dip on edge and like, maybe, maybe there's some, we'll see what happens with James with Houston down the road as well. Uh, but man, like it, it feels like you, you keep mentioning that word violence and they just want to go hard. Like, I know it's the joke about, haha. he said, you know, uh, uh, Dan Campbell said kneecaps, but it does feel like it is just, man, just bring a lot of pressure up front and set the edge and then just clean up whatever chaos comes out of that. And I think that Pascal fits that to a T. At no point so far in the current regime's time in terms of Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, has it ever been even an idea that the Lions prioritize speed rushers? Like, I don't think speed rushers are their fit. So to that point, like, I think the Hutchinson pick, because I, I you almost can't pull these picks apart to me because I think that they are very inextricably inextricably linked for the, for the reason that Chris said, like this is an identity setting pick. The lions. I don't think Kayvon Thibodeau was probably, I don't think he was for them because of his style of play. Like as a speed rusher, not like he was a guy, Jeremy, who was going to have to be coached up in terms of his ability to set the edge, defend the run, make that a priority and, and a part of his football game. Aiden Hutchinson, that's not a question. Josh Pascal, that's not a question. Like, that's who they are as football players. So, like, I think that it was a football fit in terms of the Aiden Hutchinson pick. And this was another thing where it was like, this is a football fit. And I, the, the part of me, though, that is a little bit uh, upset by the pick, especially in the moment, was like, I get it, a very high character, three-time, you know, captain at Kentucky, um, I mean, just an incredible story in terms of who he is as a person, the, the, the you know, the obstacles that he's had to overcome. Yeah. He had to come over. What was it like melanoma in his, uh, his foot, in his yeah. foot. Yeah. Like, I mean, the guy, the guy like has beaten cancer and, but at the same time, it seems like there were players that were on the board that I think could have better helped the lions in terms of like a, from from a talent standpoint and i know you said jeremy like you know dane brugler said there wasn't a chance that he was gonna you know slip out of the second round so like this was the lion's chance to take this guy right but i i think it still feels like a bit it feels like a bit of a reach like i can like the player but i can still feel like it's a bit of a reach that's that's fair and i think my concern with him is that i don't know if he starts right away whereas i think you maybe could have gotten like i mentioned jaquan brisker i think is a day one starter and you're getting every, and we, we talked all off season about how important safety is in this draft, but I, I do think he's definitely going to develop into a starter. I, I really do. I, I, I think just when I, when I watched Kentucky and, and I think it's worth also reiterating like SEC ball, like he was playing SEC ball. He's going up against some guys that are going to be playing on Sundays. Um, but that defense just looked completely different with him out there. Completely different. That team looked like it, it was lifeless with him not on the field. And, and some of that is due to, to what he brought, you know, emotionally. But I think a lot of it is just skill. Like, I, I, I 
I think we all got caught up. Not all. I think a lot of us got caught up in the story of him and convinced ourselves that this was only a culture pick. And that is not at all what this is. I mean, athletically, he's actually really built like Trevon Walker in a lot of ways. He's got a ton of athleticism. Um, and and he played kind of in, in, in the same kind of way, where it's like he played up and down the defensive line like Trevon Walker did. And they're both, I think, underdeveloped as edge guys, speed guys. I think Trevon Walker has more upside there, obviously, because he's a, he's a little bit more of an athlete. But he brings a lot of the things that you would have gotten out of Trevon Walker, which is really, really good run defense, potential interior pass rush, which how many times did we say this offseason, Ryan, was, was an underrated need for this team is interior pass rush. So I, yeah. I get it and I like it. Yeah. It, and, and, and the one other aspect that I, that I wanted to bring up was with this pick, what does this, and I'm putting on the tinfoil hat for a moment, like <laughs> does this pick signal anything to you about Romeo Aquara and where he is at in his rehab? It's a good question. I don't, I don't know because I don't, first of all, I don't think you want to draft based on immediate need, right? Like if, 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 Romeo is going to be ready in, in six months, then whatever. Like you don't, you don't draft a guy to just to replace that. Um, I would, I, my instincts are to say no, because what Brad Holmes says, well, you can never have too many pass rushers. You can have never have too many, too many edge defenders, but I, I do think it's something to keep an eye on because we've been getting plenty of updates on Jeff Okuda's Achilles. We have no idea where Romeo Okwara is at right now. I think, between yeah i'm i'm mostly i'm mostly fine with it just because again it's between the the culture fit plus um you, you were mentioning safety as a big need and obviously i feel like the lions still laughed landed no i don't i don't know how high up they were on like say a jaquan brisker but and i think there's some good conversation to be had if you know they got jumped by um the colts trading up to get nick cross uh nick cross but Lions did draft their safe, did draft their safety in Kirby Joseph out of Illinois. And this was another guy that Kent was really in love with uh, talking about it again, really banking on there. There seems to be a profile here. It's either like we're, we don't mind guys who might take a little bit of time to start right away. Cause they understand it is a rebuild and they're going for athletic guys who've been athletic on the field in play. Cause I just, uh, I know, I know Kirby Joseph, he played a little bit of, of receiver in high school. Yeah. He's incredibly athletic. Uh, I think Morgan Cannon, who was also with us for the, for the draft stream, shared a video of him, um, not a video of him, but a tale where he talks about uh, backflipping off his roof, which I hope he's not doing now that he's a pro. Yeah. There was a whole video thing about him just doing backflips, which is interesting. <laughs> so how do you feel on this Kirby Joseph? Obviously I'm going to meme it a lot and play the uh, Kirby dreamland victory music quite a bit. Every time he gets, an interception, but uh, they, they go once again, like sec and big 10 is the name of the game here. Yeah. I mean, I, I was actually higher on the pick at the time than I was after I watched some of his film, if I'm being completely honest. Um, he's, he, I mean, it's worth noting. He was a seventh safety off the board where Brisker would have been, I think the fourth. there was, a, there was a lot of safeties flying so, off that board. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, I don't know if, if Nick cross was, was their guy or not. It's uh, they, they brought in um, Kirby for, for a top 30 visit. So that shows that maybe Kirby was their guy all along anyways, but listen, he he's, he started the year as a start as a, as a starting safety for the Illini for the first time one year starter. And he was awful. 
He started the year really, really bad. And again, transitioning from, from wide receiver, new position. By the end of the year, he looked a lot better. He looked a lot, he was playing with a lot more confidence for sure. You can you can literally see him with a lot more swag, getting in, you know, opponent's face, all that sort of stuff. But I also kind of think he's kind of one-dimensional. I he does not like to get his nose dirty. He's not a good run defender. He is a guy that they stuck 20 yards down the field and says, Hey, don't let anything get by you. And listen, his his athletic traits pop off. I know he didn't test everything at the combine due to an issue. I think he's fine now. Um, very rangy, made a couple of really good, like sideline to sideline interceptions, but this is a work in progress, man. Like this is a, you're betting on upside here and I'm not entirely sure this is your future safety. They, that, that's what the pick was made to be. Like they want him to be a future safety, but he's going to have to learn it. And I don't think he's entering 2022 as a year as, as a starter at all. I, I hope maybe by the end that, that there's hope that he's there, but I think, I think right now the Lions should be thankful they signed Deshaun Elliott because I don't think the safety class fell the way that they wanted to. And and this is kind of like the domino effect of that trade up, right? Is like you had a chance at safety. You, you could have had one in Jaquan Brisker, but you could have had both. You could have had Pascal and Jaquan Brisker if you wanted, if you didn't make all these trades. So I don't know. It I'm I'm I think I'm probably lower on this guy than most people, but I, I was a little discouraged by his tape. And I, I think I think he's just very much a work in progress that that they're going to need to develop. And, and luckily they have some really good coaches that should help. I think that this kind of, uh, it, it kind of paints a picture of the kind of players that Brad Holmes is targeting at this point in the draft, because this pick feels a lot like a Fatu Melifanu. It feels yeah. a lot yeah. like, Hey, this guy has a bunch of stuff that you can't buy and put in the toolbox. Like, I mean, let's talk about some of the measurables real quick, real quick, right? Kirby Joseph, 79 and a half inch wingspan. The guy is long. He has athleticism. Sounds a lot like a Fatu Melifanu, right? Like a guy yeah. who needs seasoning, needs experience, needs, needs snaps, needs opportunities. And I, I feel like Kirby Joseph is somebody that they identified and said, look, this kid has everything, but he's a ball of clay. Yeah. And, and we're going to mold him and we're going to make him because he seems like he can fit that split zone safety. You know what, what they're going to, what they're going to want from him. And, and I think I like this. I like this pick a lot for that reason. Like it's a guy that the coaching staff is saying we can take this guy and, and we can turn him into something. And I feel like Aaron Glenn is definitely the kind of guy you can turn him into something. Like, the guy who's played defensive back. <laughs> you, you might only have one year to do that though. Again, like it, it feels like everything that we've seen here, and I'm going to get back into it again when we talk about pick 177, it, it feels like the Lions are still being patient with this. So there's going to be some picks that it's like it's not going to look like starter material right away this year because they still don't have a quarterback at this point in the in their rebuild. They have Jared Goff, and you can talk about how much they value Jared Goff, but I, I still read these tea leaves of being like, hey, we're taking risks on guys with ACL problems. We're taking guys who might not be able to start week one because we know next year is still probably going to not really be mattering in the grand scheme of things. I know fans don't probably don't want to hear that. They want to, you know, talk about what they're competing right now, but it's a very process-driven thing. And like, yeah, you brought up Ryan Melifon, who would kind of notes where where Holmes is thinking in in the third round of these drafts like 
you're not going to probably get someone you're, you're going to have to bank on, take some risks on guys that just have deficiencies. It's just, I, I think to me, that's where the imbalance is though. Like you, you're talking about, I, and I agree with you with, on, on all that, but if they're making all these moves with a couple of years down the line, like you just made a very aggressive trade up for a, a player. I, I know he's not going to play right away, but it's, it's a, it's kind of a winish nowish move to trade up in 20 spots in the first round, right? Like it's, you're, you're trading away future picks, future assets that that'll help you when you're ready down the line for a guy right now. And so that, I don't know, that's kind of weird to me, but last, last thing I want to say on, on Kirby is I, I think he can get a little greedy with his eyes. I think that he's, he's going to have to be a lot more eye disciplined because I feel like he got caught off by misdirection. He got caught off by, you know, underneath routes, that sort of thing. But again, I, I, the, the best asset he has is, is the range. And he also had like great ball skills. I mean, he was a former wide receiver. So like one of his in, interceptions was literally just a jump ball that he ripped out of the hands of, of a, of a wide receiver. And, and that, I think maybe that is what really uh, appealed to them because the lines just, they haven't been producing tuner, turnovers very often. Even, um, even uh, Taylor, uh, there's the starting safety. Why? So many Tracy names, Walker. Tracy Walker. There we go. Uh, not not much of a turnover creator thus far. I, I think I think that's something that the Kirby Joseph could bring to secondary once he's ready. Well, another guy who might not um, we'll see it. We'll see how ready he is for for it because, like we mentioned, ACL when talking about Jamison Williams. Here's another pick in the fifth in the fifth round for another ACL, and that is the Governor. I was told to refer to him as the Governor. That is apparently his nickname, James Mitchell, tight end out of Virginia Tech, the Governor. Uh, I have not gotten a good explanation in my research as to why he is named the governor. But I think we understood that tight end might be a pick on the board here. Uh, I think a lot of fans were hoping for Trey McBride. Obviously, the Lions. McBride, where, Ryan, do you remember where Trey McBride went? It was like, I think he was like a third rounder or something. I think um, he went in the second. Did he go in the second? Okay. Well, yeah, there you go. he was a second round pick to the Cardinals. Right. So, um, I guess the question is what can he can't or can he not do? And when are we going to really see him coming off the ACL? This to me, this might be the best value pick they made. Oh, this is the guy. Okay. This, this is, the, this guy is the guy. Go stop. Pause the podcast right now. Don't pause it. Pause it. And then Keep go watch. Well, actually pause it right after I finish the sentence, because you're, you're going to need to know why I'm telling you to pause it. Pause this podcast go watch his game against north carolina in 2020 he absolutely dominated that game in every single phase he scored a touchdown through the air 100 yards receiving blocking menace i I think he sprung at least two touchdowns two rushing touchdowns just from blocking uh touchdown receiving touchdown rushing that dude did absolutely everything in that game and the lines are betting that he's going to be ready pretty soon i think uh, at least he says he's like moving pretty much completely at this point. And by the end of June, he's going to be fully ready to go. I am fully on board with this guy potentially being tight end two out of the box. That's how confident I am in this guy because he, he, you know, he started a, a few seasons, I think maybe even three at Virginia tech. And I know, I know he's coming off the ACL. I know he hasn't played football in essentially a year, but my, like I couldn't have come away more impressed with this guy's tape. I think he's a real deal. And I think, you know, you, you look at the guy's box score and you say, wow, he's, you know, he's averaging 18 yards a catch. Like he's probably a pretty good receiver. 
I think he's much better as a blocker. I think he's going to be a really good blocker in this league with a little bit of pass catching upside. I think he's tight end too. Out of the box. I'm, I'm calling my shot right now. That's bold. I mean, hopefully he's healthy, right? Like that's the thing. Yeah. And obviously the lions would have done their due diligence uh, in terms of, you know, checking over medicals and things like that. But I just want to say a line from the beast again, Dane Brugler's draft guide, which gives you like way too much information, like <laughs> shout out to Dane Brugler, but like he knows way too much about every prospect, but this catches my catches my eye under his strengths, humble personality and someone the coaches go out of their way to talk about. Like, it just seems like another, like, it seems like this is like the perfect like character fit and also like could be a, could be a viable like starting tight end. Like I, I I don't think that you can really like argue that point because the thing about James Mitchell that I, that I like so much is what Jeremy said. Like this guy is somebody who split time playing inline and the slot. Like this guy is a, he's, he's a basketball athlete who can go out and play football. Right. And, and I think that you look at some of the numbers and like you said, Jeremy, you, you can be impressed with that 18, yards per catch um statistic but like if you look at his entire like body of work like his numbers aren't like super impressive like in terms of how many catches he got um you know how many touchdowns he scored but i think something important to keep in mind is like virginia tech's offense is kind of boring like that like they're (laughs) they're like a running football team so like he didn't get you know a ton of opportunities but you cut on the tape and you see things like jeremy's mentioning a guy who's a menace in the run game and is helping spring uh, you know, spring running backs to score touchdowns, but at the same time is also lining up in the slot. Like that is the modern NFL tight end. And again, I think you're getting a player at a discount in the same way that the Lions got a discount on JMO. You're getting, you're, you're also opening yourself up to finally two tight end sets, but this guy, this guy screams. I remember watching the video and um, that that Mitchell himself put out of, of like the draft party, and he has the call from Dan Campbell. It's like, are you gonna be more a receiver? You gonna be a receiver or a tight end? And Mitchell's just like, you know, tight end. And Dan Dan's like, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> the, the, like, the like one, I, I, I'm trust I'm trusting him to know exactly what all goes into that. Like, the one yeah. thing that they use him a lot at, at Virginia Tech that I thought was really really interesting and immediately useful i think for for what the lines might try to do is that a lot of times they would line them up out wide in like a bunch set on one side of the field and he would just be the lead blocker on a bubble screen and all i could think about was putting the ball in amon ra st brown's hand and having that guy in front of him yeah so now you've got a bunch of short yardage weapons between amon ra between you know hawkinson who we'll, we'll see what happens with hawkinson's contract down the line if mitchell happens to blow up but you know you got mitchell but you're making you're making Hawkinson's not going in. They're they're okay. they're to me they're completely different tight ends. I I no, I, no, really I, I know I know they're but... underselling his blocking abilities. Okay. But yeah, so between Hawkinson, Amon Ra, Mitchell, and then to Ryan's point earlier, like you've got someone who can take the top off defenses in Williams. I the, the last thing I want to accentuate this talk about the last offensive draft pick that the Lions took in this draft. The Lions offense is pretty built. Except for one position. But that one position, I think, is under the greatest microscope this season. Is it not? Like the, the last thing I the last point I want to make is 
if James Mitchell is healthy, if Jamison Williams gets out on the field, if the Lions are quote unquote operating at full strength in terms of their offensive line, which should be a top five unit, and you have a bunch of receiving options and Hawkinson and Shark, and if Jamison Williams is back on the field, and like this has to be a make or break year for Jared Goff. I was, I, I want to say this because, you know, I, for the national people I work with and some of the Rams fans I work with, I, I get two different things from the Rams people I work with. They tell me straight up is like, you know, Jared Goff isn't a bad quarterback, but everything has to be just perfect for him. Well, guess what? I think if all those things you're talking about, Ryan come to fruition, that's as close as you can ask for, for being perfect. It's a young team, but it's still like, everything's working very well for him. And we started to see Goff even last year when things were, Slightly less than perfect, but he had good weapons start to turn things around as far as his numbers. The other thing I get from some national guys who still believe in him is always the term about like, well, he took a team to the Super Bowl. Okay, well, I, whatever on that point. But either way, the, 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 the perception on Goff is that, that, yeah, if you have a team built around him, he should be able to do exactly that. Well, okay, here you go. If it all works out, then, you know, if this all works out, then golf really doesn't. Yeah. To your point, there's no real excuse at that point for too much struggling. This has kind of been the great debate on what kind of golf are you going to get when Jared Goff came to Detroit? Are you going to get the early Jared Goff that was taking the team to Super Bowl? Are you going to get the last year of Jared Goff in LA who just can't seem to throw the football at all anywhere? And I, I, I like to think that it's somewhere in, in between the middle when it comes to Jared Goff, I put him on the same, like, tier as say Garoppolo or Tannehill, but both of those guys have made deep runs in the playoffs for, you know, obviously the rest of the team kind of holding it around them, but the lions. And I, I mean, and as much as Brad Holmes and the rest of the Detroit staff has shown a lot of confidence in Jared Goff and talking about how he's the quarterback. We've been talking about it for a year. We've been talking about it, and I'm sure it will continue to be talked about, and every draft guide out there will still have quarterback as the main number one need going into 2023. So, yeah, this is last chance. This is kind of last chance you this year for, uh, for Jared Goff. If, if those things work out, he might have an excuse if obviously some of that stuff doesn't come to pass. But right now, man, like, what else? And, and what, else what more else do you need? Like, right. do you need better running backs or something or what? You got you got a full full off season too under a new system. Like you you now know the system. You're you know who Amon Ra St. Brown is. You've got Josh Reynolds there. Like and the the only the only thing still not working in his favor is that the defense is still not good. And so that's fine. The defense can give up 35 points a game. If Jared Goff isn't scoring enough, we can we can at least we can at least evaluate putting a lot of pressure. A lot of good offensive teams don't have to play from behind all the time, you know. You mentioned you mentioned Tannehill and, and Garoppolo. Well, those guys also were bolstered by really, really good defenses. Right. Yes. Um, the Lions don't have that yet. They're they're getting closer, but they're not they're they're not close. There's still. there's there's big holes in the middle in in linebacker. I would say linebacker and corner. There's still a lot of questions. Let's a lot of questions. It it's it's just the back seven at this point. Like I, trenches. Yeah. Are and, and, but I, I, I guess to my point is for as many points as the defense is giving up, it feels like this Lions offense should be able to like not not keep up and win those games necessarily, but like at least like hold court. Like, uh, wh- 
what really more can you ask for? I think you have so much talent around Jared Goff at this point that like you can get an honest assessment. And that's the point. Yeah, we're talking, we're talking, in the, we're talking specifically towards Goff too. When we're saying like, you know, all these things, we're not asking, we're, we're not talking about the, the, the lions offense being world beaters. We're just saying like, Hey, if Goff is as good as, as his believers say he is, then this should be perfect. This should be a perfect storm for him. Because last off season, it was, all right, the Lions, you know, Jared Goff's coming into a new situation. Doesn't really Your have top great... weapon is Khalif Raymond. Quintus Cephas was missing the year and everything. Like, it was yeah. awful coming out of the gate. Like, like, so then the question was, can you get an honest assessment of Jared Goff? And I think it was a valid question to ask. Now the question can be asked and answered, I think. That's my point. Yeah. Yes. All right, let's take a quick break. We still have to get to all the day three picks. We'll go a little faster through that as we cross I think close to an hour mark here on our post podcast super edition I, I'm staring at Jeremy Jeremy had to go put on the macho man Randy Savage outfit during the break and I'm wearing a luchador mask thank you for those who are listening on the pot the POD cast version you help pay our bills we'll be right back Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Private Detroit POD cast as we now talk about the picks from day three. Yes, day three. Now we've made it all the way down here, Jeremy, as we go to the ninth pick in the sixth round. Six, nine. Nice. Technically 188. Nice. This was um, this was a trade down, actually. So the Ryans actually traded down uh, Lions, excuse me, not Ryans, traded down, picked from 181 and picked up 237 which means we have three guys to talk about now in this segment instead of just two. Uh, and they, a, a, very, a very unpopular trade down in the media room. I should, I should mention. <laughs> if you guys are having opinions about trading down seven spots from one in the one eight hundreds, like you have, like uh, you're, you're just, Chris. I can't, I can't make accusations against you. That would be, be sanitized for this podcast. Chris, you are you are a pro worker. You are a pro laborer. You should you should be siding with Jeremy's argument. We could have their PMC. Put, we could have been done at two seventeen. We could have been done at two seventeen at the bottom of the six and kicked PMC. up our feet for the entire seventh round. That's that's you're not doing real work. Wow. <laughs> oh wow. Neither am I for that matter. Well, that part I agree with. Yes. 
Uh, Malcolm Rod- <laughs> Stop it. Malcolm Rodriguez, linebacker out of Oklahoma State. Um, this was disappointing, if only because I knew more people from Oklahoma I could talk to. If we had picked like an OU player, Oklahoma State, I am tapped out. So, although didn't I think the Lions did take a Cowboy last year, though. I was, don't uh, Derek Barnes was no Purdue. No, that's right. You're thinking of Barry Sanders. I am not thinking of Barry. Sanders. <laughs> you're th- oh, you're thinking of Brandon Pettigrew. I'm not thinking of Brandon. <laughs> do not do this to my addled brain, especially this late in here and this late in the <laughs> afternoon. Um, yeah. So Malcolm Rodriguez, he was uh, did not meet with the media. He had a family engagement, but Jeremy Lyons finally get around to addressing linebacker. It just happens to be on day three. Yeah, uh, an interesting guy. Uh, so a, a converted safety, and if you watch the tape, that's plainly obvious because he's a really good coverage guy. Um, there's a there's a highlight that I think Todd McShay threw on Twitter uh, a month or two back of him just like completely blanketing. I think it was a wheel route and just you know completely just blanketing the guy and and closing speed and all like he's really got everything that that a good safety has outside of a ton of range. I th- the, the way that Oklahoma state used him a lot was very close to the line of scrimmage. Um, he would cover the, the running backs out of, out of the backfield. He would cover tight ends. He blitzed a hell of a lot. And, and I think his coverage is just, is just very solid. Tackling was also very, very solid. The concern though is size with him because he's small and like Nicobe Dean's small. And I know Nicobe Dean is, 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 a lot of people thought he was a, a really good prospect and, and there were other reasons he fell in the draft. Um, but he's even smaller than, than Nicobe Dean, especially when it comes to, to arm length, a thing that the lines clearly don't care about, um, which is fine. But to me, unlike some of the other guys that have short arms, it really showed up on the tape when I was watching him because he can't disengage all that well. He's not a great run defender. Um, to me, I think his... I think his ceiling is, is really like a third down specialty guy where he can come in and maybe be almost like a nickel corner or, or just like an extra linebacker or whatever, where you can send him on blitzes. You can have him cover a, a tight end or a running back out of, out of the backfield, but I don't see him having that much of a ceiling elsewhere because he's just, he's too small. He's not strong enough. Maybe if he can bulk up a little bit, um, he has okay hand usage, but in general, it's just, it's too much for him. He, he, he wasn't that much of an impact run defender, even though he had all the tackles that he did, like crazy amount of tackles uh, at, at Oklahoma state, but tackles are kind of a, one of those stats where it's, it's not necessarily a good thing. It's, it's, it's not necessarily, I guess, uh, a bad thing. It, yeah. It's not a bad thing, but it's not an indicator of, of good play necessarily. Um, again, I think he's a solid tackler, but just not, not, a great run defender. And I, I, I don't know. I I'm maybe I'm lower on him than, than most, but we are, we are talking about a six round pick here. I, I don't see him as a potential starter at this position down the road. I don't think so either, but I think what's important to keep in mind is what you said, Jeremy, this is a six round pick pick 188 overall. Like the, the thing I like about <clears throat> Rodriguez is like, he seems like a very high upside special teams player. Yes. Right? hundred like, percent. Like just seems like seems like he would be an absolute perfect fit as a gunner. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, 
the the thing I liked about him in the Beast, uh, Dane Brugler's draft guide, two time state champion wrestler. Yeah, finished with a thirty and three record. He's strong, strong. Dude. Yeah, like he's a yeah, strong, he's a strong I'm... guy, and played five hundred and thirty eight career snaps on special teams at Oklahoma State. Like, I, I two things are getting. I think, like Jeremy's saying, as a ceiling, I think that he's a sub package guy. Yeah, come in, come in and do something special on third down, right? Or he's just cleaning up, cleaning up everything on special teams. And at pick one eighty eight, I love it. I'm not allowed to talk about it, uh, Rodriguez. You mentioned former wrestler. Like after Anthony Zettel, I'm not allowed to talk about any guy, any prospect that has wrestling in their background. I just, I get, I get too gassed up up about it. I'm pretty sure I said on no way I'm wasn't on draft day, but like I pretty sure like i looked at this and i'm just like oh my god just show me the wrestling highlights i mean the the other thing to mention too is just like he's also a tremendous athlete which is a an ongoing theme that that we haven't right. really talked and too f- much about in this entire class like all-time raz draft for for the lions and so where he wins at the college level is using that speed using kind of the wrestling like leverage to to get around blocks but once once someone has their hands on this dude like he's not getting out of it. That's, that's the major problem. And and considering at the NFL level, athleticism is just at a higher level for everyone. Guards, tackles, all of them are much more athletic. I just don't see him being able to succeed. We are not, we are not typically talking starter material and the sixth round at this point, we are talking about taking flyers on guys or depth pieces. And I think that's kind of basically exactly where Rodriguez slots in. Um, the second, the other pick in the sixth round, and once again, kind of an edge linebacker safety. And this one's really curious because I'm really curious how the Lions are going to play him. And maybe they tip their hand in some of the highlight reel they showed, which also pissed off Deion Sanders. But um, James Houston uh, transferred from Florida to Jackson State. This is Deion Sanders, you know, as everyone I'm sure knows, as he keeps saying, Deion Sanders is the coach of Jackson State, HBCU. Um really blew up. He was like all team swack. I believe like he had like 16 and a half sacks. Uh, however, he was at Jackson state. He was an edge, but at Florida, he was an off ball linebacker. Once again, a huge athlete. It's a crowded room, especially with two other, you know, draftees coming in at the edge position. And I got to think if you're showing off mostly linebacker tape on the highlight reels, I'm, I don't know, maybe that's, Lions say that's the only tape they were allowed to get permission to use at the time. But Jeremy, I, I guess my big question is, and again, we're talking once again about a sixth rounder. You're hoping on upside at this point. So I guess I have two questions is a, where does he play and B how much of a contribution is he really adding? Cause his two options are either a very stacked room at edge or a very threadbare unit linebacker that is still fairly sufficient, like deficient, but also, that's not that doesn't seem the position where he kind of made his uh, his bread. I, first off, I will say this is the most interesting pick they made all draft. It's very I am, interesting. I am endlessly fascinated by this guy because if you watch some of the tape that he had last year, he was just an absolute game wrecker at Jackson State. Unbelievable! Like yeah, I said, it. sixteen and a half sacks, like annihilating, destroy- and like half of those seemed like they were forced fumbles. He is just destroying guys out there. Now, obviously, lower level of competition at an HBCU, but it's worth noting that he was at Florida. Like, 
they thought he was a good enough player to play at Florida. I don't know where they're going to play him, to be honest, Chris. I, I look at the tape that, that he put last year, and I think they're just like, something's there as an edge rusher. I think that's where they're going to try because you, you want to talk about speed edge. Like, that's kind of your speed edge rusher. I know I know. we talked about maybe that's not their, their flavor uh, that they like, but he brings something different and just I, uses his hands well, just – I don't, it's really hard for me not to get excited about a guy like this and to pull myself back because it was a lower level of competition because he was just making offensive tackles look absolutely silly. And so I don't know. I, I don't, that's where I think I would try him out just to see what the hell happens. But like you said, really good athlete, long arms. So again, something that's a little bit different than some of the other guys they got. This guy's got some super long arms, 34 inch which is, you know, you, you want to compare him to someone else in this class. He's, he's got longer arms than Jermaine Johnson, uh, a popular guy, Ar- Arnold Ebiketti, longer than him as well. Uh, so, and, and, and I think the thing that was also really interesting, I, I watched the film at the East West Shrine game. I watched the film at the NFL PA game. They played him at both and he made an impact at both linebacker and edge. So maybe he's just this super versatile piece that you throw at both when you need an extra guy, I currently have him off the roster just because I feel like edge in particular is a new position to him, but I, I would not be at all surprised if he just blows up training camp and and works his way onto the roster. I don't know enough about this kid, but I'm excited to to learn more about him. Um, And I guess to call him a kid is kind of disingenuous because like, he's a 98 baby. Like Mm -hmm. he's, he's pretty old. Like he's, you know, uh, in terms of a draft prospect. So uh, I, I'm, I'm just interested. And that can be said about the lions next. I, I know but I, final no, one. Yeah. yeah real, real quick though. You mentioned how old he is. I know that again, came up with my conversation with Kent was like, he's Kent's not really much of a fan of uh, he, 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 I know he likes the Houston pick, but some of the guys coming out from college when you're on kind of the older side is not great because you've already got, quite a bit of tread on it and you've been looking for a prospect for a while it's it kind of goes against your favor but yes we do have another pick one more pick as i said lions pick up 237 that's cornerback dressing cornerback here chase lucas out of arizona state who is also 25 coming out of the draft he was a five-year starter but you know he got to work under both herm edwards and marvin lewis who are both nfl coaches herm edwards I don't even know if I want to call him an NFL coach because that was like back in the stone ages as far as we know. But yeah, Ryan, you had some thoughts on Chase Lucas. Yeah, I, I think you you look at a, a player like Chase Lucas and I, I think the first thing that jumps off the page is like another like very athletic guy, right? Like seems like a guy who has like twitchy speed, um, you know, played, I mean, various. The, the, the cool thing about Chase Lucas is like he played all over. Yeah. Um, in college at uh at arizona state like played safety we're talking safety here play, played outside cornerback um i i think i think that's what's interesting um you know i you i think you also know like the player you're getting um in terms of his ceiling because like you said i mean five-year starter at arizona state he's and he's a 97 baby so uh he's he's already 25 but um i i think like his versatility makes him an interesting prospect in terms of like, he can play inside, he can play outside. So that might give him 
a, a leg up on the competition when it comes to training camp, Jeremy, because that cornerback room, that defensive back room is pretty crowded. And yeah. So, I mean, drafting a guy this late, you wonder, I mean, we had the same conversation about Jamar Jefferson a year ago, right? Like yeah. as we were in training camp, it was like, Hey, he's a guy who might be on the bubble. And a lot of people like threw their arms of like, he was a draft pick. Like that might happen in the seventh round. Yeah. No question. And that's okay. And I think it's also worth pointing out. Like this team has no problem saying, you know, these late draft picks is these UDFA guys in our secondary, they can work their way under the roster. It happened last year all over the place. They got right. a ton of production from, from guys late in the draft. And this must be a year with a lot of deep UDFA like talent from what sure. I've been told as well. But I think it's also worth pointing out. I don't think this team's nickel corner is settled. Like I know we, we were AJ, AJ Parker had a promising rookie year, but I don't think he is like the bona fide starter. I, I think the Lions are, are definitely still figuring that out. And like you said, that might be enough to get him a spot. Mike Hughes, you know, a free agent guy who, who's got in, the same kind of inside outside versatility. The, the, the most interesting thing about this guy is you mentioned he's 25. That makes him the third oldest guy on the <laughs> roster wild. at cornerback on this roster. So you're just going to have a bunch of young guys battling it out in training camp. And, you know, with, with so much uncertainty with, with Jeff Okuda and, and, and Jerry Jacobs, I, I, I really think this cornerback position, while it has potential, it's still, still very much up in the air. And I couldn't tell you who their three starters are going to be right now. I, you know, it's going to be Amani Oruarie, and then who? Who's going to be the other outside corner? Who's going to be the other nickel corner? I, I don't know right now. And I know the Lions very much live by the, the lifestyle of competition, competition, competition. Just build competition everywhere. And so we'll see who ends out of the competition because I, I, don't, I don't really have a favorite right now. I guess Jeff Okuda, considering he's posting – videos of him changing direction and, and looking pretty fast right now, but uh, a lot, a lot is still to be determined and I'm not ready to count out Chase Lucas, who like you, like you all guys said, like a five-year starter, the guy's pretty smart. He's pretty instinctive. I don't think he has as much athletic traits as, as some of the other guys on, on the roster, but he's got plenty. So um, I'm intrigued by him. He'll definitely be a, he's a, a leader type. You know, one of the interesting things I found, out about him was that he went through a coaching change himself at Arizona state. His last coach wouldn't let him wear a do rag inside the training facility. And Herm Edwards is just like, yeah, of course you can. What, what, what are we doing here? I'm pretty sure was, was it Todd Graham was the previous Maybe. coach Arizona That's state, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. If anyone's followed Todd Graham's job <laughs> after that at Hawaii and what happened at yeah. Hawaii, what kind of an asshole Todd Graham is. Right. That all so, tracks. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's had his own Matt Patricia to uh, uh, Dan Campbell experience. And he's, he's like another quote I, I found from his coach was like, he would get on his teammates if they weren't spending enough time in the film room. So a, a leader by, by traits. And, and, and that goes for a lot of people, you know, this, this guy was a two time, two or three time captain seems like just basically about everyone they drafted was a captain. So again, culture very much important in this draft class. And I can't imagine that changing anytime soon. We did it. We're done. We did. We did it. Want to at least give one name maybe for UDFAs or you just know, not at all. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know the UDFA class yet. I'm sorry, chat. We'll get to it. Maybe down the line. They're not even official yet. No, no, no one has officially signed. So Corey Sutton, deep balls, baby. Um, 
do you, do you, do you want to give a grade? Do we want to close it out with grades or some sort of analysis or an emoji? <laughs> I like the idea. I, I wasn't planning for this, but I do like the idea of an emoji. Now. I was going to say that was big Tim Robinson energy in the hot dog sketch. <laughs> Send an emoji. <laughs> what do we do? Send each other emojis. <laughs> uh, are we grading on an A to C scale? Like every other draft grade article? <laughs> like Chad Reuter from NFL.com who gave everyone but four teams B minuses or higher. Apparently yeah. I did see someone give out an F plus to one team. Uh, that might've been John McClain. Um, who's kind of a shit talker. Uh, I mean, if we're doing a to C, I almost feel like you got to throw an S plus in there. Just keep it with like <laughs> Japanese, like JRPGs. Um, I don't know. I'll do full grades. I, I think, I think if we're doing a to F, I'm giving this about like a B. No explanation needed. What else? What explanation am I going to give that's going to satisfy people? What, what explanation am I going to give? Huh? I, I want to give this draft a B plus. And I think had the Lions not traded up for JMO, I think that I would have been sitting in like B minus kind of territory. I I can't stress enough how much I love that move and getting that player. So uh, I'm, I'm sitting pretty comfortable with the B plus. Not sure what kind of emoji that is, but yeah, I mean, I, I was, I was saying I, I like might've slight smirk one. Like a, I liked, I liked the trade up. I know Jeremy <laughs> is kind of whatever on it. I, I liked the trade up. I like Jamison Williams. I feel like we're kind of getting a complete look on the, on the vision of what the lions want for their players. And that's all I can really be like, all right, in year two of a rebuild, in year two of a rebuild, that's all I can really ask is like, all right, here's your strategy. Now let's see if it turns out for anything on the field. The, the one thing I want to say before Jeremy gives his grade is I was thinking about as I, I as I was going to bed after day one, the Lions pick at 46. If they somehow walk out with Hutchinson, Hutchinson, Jamison Williams and Malik Willis at 46, I, I don't know. I don't know if my body would go into shock or what, but like that was the timeline that I was hoping, wishing and praying for. And then when the lions kind of reached for a player, I was like, Oh man, I want to like this guy. <laughs> you would have done the entire podcast shirtless. Like there, there's no question. I would have done my entire life shirtless, Jeremy. <laughs> I would have showed Christ. up. I would have showed up to school on Monday. And that's fair enough. Shirtless. That um, <laughs> you would be on fire. Um, I give it a B. Uh, I'm. I. I feel like people think I'm down on this class, and I'm not. I'm. I'm very happy for. But. But I. I guess I kind of just look at overall. What did they get? They got two potential blue chip players, one on each side of the ball. Great. They got a guy who might not be a starter right away, but will eventually be a starter and immediately give you a lot of reps in Josh Pascal. Great. So far, so good. Kirby Joseph, to me, is a project. I think that's going to take at least a year, maybe two down the line before he's a starter. And I can't say with certainty that he's going to be a good starter. Not great. James Mitchell, though, kind of makes up for that because I think that's a really good pick. I think he's a guy that's going to contribute right away and might have a, a significant role on this team. The rest is kind of chalk when you're talking about day three. I I like I like the James Houston pick. 
I, I think that is a guy who, who could surprise and, and explode and be one of those guys where it's just like, how, how did people let this guy fall? Um, but we'll see. So when it comes down to it, two bona fide starters, potential blue chippers, one guy who's going to be a starter, and then a bunch of kind of role players after that. It's okay. But when they went into this draft with four picks in the top 97, I was hoping with at least three bona fide starters, maybe four, maybe, I'm sorry, they had five picks in the top 97. I was hoping for at least four starters that, that could maybe produce right out of the box. So again, it, it goes into my persistent nagging about trading up a little bit, but the fact that you might have two blue chip players gets me excited enough where I'm not going to drag this down three grades or anything like a B is still, I'm pretty happy. We're done. We're done. Thanks everyone. This is one of those weeks where we do uh, a lot of work across the board. And I feel like getting a nap. You've earned it. What like now you're up to what? Almost 20 hours of streaming. I something like that. I, <laughs> everything's blurred together. I think let's see four hours now today, checking the clock. Uh, five, four and a half, five and a half. Yeah, no, I'm ready to, uh, ready to get some sleep. We'll be back here. Um, what are you starting up the first by series for all the, uh, as soon as we can, and we haven't even talked about it yet. Maybe this week. I, I, I think I want to go reverse order. So we might, we might do some, uh, chase Lucas first bite this week. If I can, if we can wrangle a guest spicy. All right. Well, we'll do that until then guys. See you, sir. Side. Thanks for keeping us with you for Pride Detroit POD cast. Uh, Pride of Detroit did its birthday this week. Last week, yep. 16, week, sweet yes. 16. 16, and POD cast will be turning seven here very soon. Give it a few months. Baby time, as we've learned that it's called or something. No? No? Okay, fine. Go away. I already said the line. <laughs>